from First Chronicles 10, 9, and 10. Jabez was honored more than his brothers, and his mother named him Jabez, saying, <clears throat> because I bore him in pain. Jabez called on the, the God of Israel, saying, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from hurt and harm. And God granted what he asked. The word of the Lord. Jesus, servant of all, through faith I ask your help in redefining my visions of success in the light of your total defeat, through which the most unlikely victories arose. Amen. Um, good morning, Genesis. My name is Pastor D. McIntosh. I'm pastor of Lighthouse, Minneapolis, um, on the north side, Olson Middle School. Um, and uh, if I know my community, they probably just started church. We don't start on time, so... Uh, they just started, uh, and Steve is there uh, with them this morning. We did a little switcheroo sort of deal. Um, when we made the decision to do switcheroo, I thought it was like a fantastic uh, decision. Um, and then I realized I was on vacation for two weeks. Uh, Fourth of July week is kind of like an off week because, you know, nobody really works. Um, and so I've actually been gone for like three weeks. I finally was there last Sunday, and then this morning I woke up and go, wait, I haven't seen my folks in like three weeks. I miss them. Uh, but I'm really excited to be with you all. Um, Steve asked me to give Weens, not Haynes. That, does that ever get confusing? Never, no, not at all. Uh, Steve Weens asked me to do an up, give you guys an update on Lighthouse. Uh, we are uh, seven months into weekly services. Uh, woo! Thank you. This is going down and down every time I touch it. Um, and uh, I think I ask our group, <laughs> I think I ask our group probably every Sunday whether or not we should go back to monthly services because that would be way easier on me. Um, <laughs> uh, but we're loving it. Um, I said this earlier, but our group um, in the summertime, we actually get out in the community a lot more because this is a fantastic time to do it. Um, so we have been doing a lot of community engagements. One thing we do, it's called Random Acts of Kindness where once a month we choose a gas station, a grocery store, a coffee shop, a laundromat, uh, and we pay for people. Um, and we have had incredible stories of people who say, I can't believe that there's a church in my community that's actually willing to do this. Um, and we've had stories of parents who said, now, I'm not, now that I'm not paying $25 uh, on gas, I can actually go buy my kids some food. So this is, it's been pretty cool to hear uh, the stories and to be able to engage. The other thing we do is something called Grill and Chill, the first and third Wednesdays of every month. When we started, we had no idea what we're doing. We're uh, two months into it, we still don't know what we're doing. Um, but some of the cool things that has happened um, is that we have fed over 600 people. Thank you. Um, our first time we fed 115 people, something like that. Uh, last Wednesday we fed 324 folks. Uh, and... They will literally stand in line uh, and wait for the food to be finished because, you know, we don't do things on time at Lighthouse, so we're always behind. Um, but as impressive as those numbers are, that's not what I count as success for a church plant on the north side. What is more, uh, I think, telling of the community that we have gathered is the fact that when we do grill and chill on the north side in the middle of the summer, uh, where gang violence is very high in the summer, that I have folks that will be in the community and be completely unbothered. Uh, it's incredible. So we had last Squirrel and Chill, um, a lot of high schoolers gather at Weber. It's a park and it's a pool. It's the best pool, I think, in the Twin Cities. Um, yes, it's on the north side. 
Um, and we had probably 150 kids were out there at how schoolers were gathering. They were from North High School, Patrick Henry, uh, in Brooklyn Center, Brooklyn Park. And what happened with the kids, you know, high schoolers, they get into altercations, they start arguing, fighting. And what was incredible for me to be there uh, was that rather than our folks gathering and hovering their kids in fear that their kids would be in danger, my folks dispersed out and started de-escalating the situation so that by the time the cops were called, everything was already finished. That is testament of success in my mind, not how many people we feed. Uh, testament of our success is also the fact that the park's director for Weber Park called Maggie McCracken, who is our director of operations at Lighthouse, thank God for Maggie, hashtag Maggie really is the boss, um, <laughs> called her to say the cops have asked that large groups no longer meet at Weber Park for the rest of the summer. She advocated for us, so now we are officially the only group, large group, that is allowed to meet at Weber Park on Wednesdays. So, you know, that's a soft brag on my group. All right, now I'm here to preach a sermon, not to continue to brag about my group, so let's do this. Um, we're in a sermon series at Lighthouse called Lost in Translation, where this is like the highlight of my life. Um, I've been a believer my entire life, uh, and when I got to seminary and as I continued to mature my faith, I began to realize, you know, I was taught a lot of things that are not in the Bible. Most of what I was taught is not in the Bible. Uh, and so we're on a sermon series this summer to talk about passages that have been traditionally misinterpreted, misunderstood, um, or just simply abused. Uh, and so I'm going to throw out some catchphrases, one-liners, catch calls that are common in the church. And I just want to see a show of hands if you actually ever heard this, okay? My first one is God works in mysterious ways. Show of hands. That's not in the Bible. I don't really know where someone got that from. I, I don't know where that comes from. Uh, but we preach that like it's a scripture in the Bible, right? Am I being recorded? Because I was going to make a dig at my grandma, but I won't do that if I'm being recorded. Okay, never mind. Uh, my grandma talks about this verse as if it's like in the Bible. You know the Bible says that God works in this. No, grandma, actually, that's not in there. Uh, that, <laughs> that is based on a hymn from the 18th century. It's a hymn. Uh, the lion will lay down with the lamb. Anybody hear this? You know that's not actually in the Bible? You can't find that. Uh, it's a misquote from Isaiah 11:6. This too shall pass. That's my personal favorite. Uh, its origins is actually in uh, Islam, from a poem that was written in the Middle Asia, Mid Middle Asia, ages. Sorry. Seven Deadly Sins. Yeah, I thought that was real. No, okay, that's not in there either. Um, pride comes before a fall. Come on, pride comes, I, okay, like pastor confession, I think I say this all the time. I'm like, you know pride comes, no, nah, uh, that's actually a verse from a Beatles song, I'm a loser. <laughs> the Beatles. That's the Bible, I mean, that's as close as it gets, right? <laughs> okay, uh, if God brings you to it, he will lead you through it. <laughs> that's not in there. <laughs> I don't even know where it came from. I tried to find origins on this. I, you know, someone thought it was a great uh, tagline to their sermon. Uh, and my personal favorite, God will not give you more than you can bear, or God will not give you more than you can handle. That's not in there, folks, at all. You can't actually find a translation of it that will give you that close of a translation to that. I preached about this last week at Lighthouse. We say that to people when they're going through suffering and trials. We think that it will make them feel better, and it doesn't. So instead, I advocate for telling people God's grace is sufficient for you. Because that, what, what that means is in the midst of whatever you're going through, no matter how angry you get with God, he will never leave you. 
right? God's favor is upon you. Um, this morning, I want to talk about the prayer of Jabez. It is, in my opinion, the most abused prayer in the Bible. Two lines. The prayer itself is one verse, and it is the most abused scriptural passage. I think it's in the top five for most abused scriptural passage. So I'll read the prayer of Jabez again, and then we'll talk about this. Jabez was honored more than his brothers, and his mother named him Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. That's dramatic. Okay. Um, Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory, that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from hurt and harm. And God granted what he asked. This is a prayer that has been used to promote prosperity gospel and prosperity preaching. This is most, the most common prayer used for prosperity gospel. And the, the big sinker, hook, line, and sinker, is that God granted him his request. Okay? There was a book written in the early 2000s by Bruce Wilkinson. Does anybody remember this book? Called, entitled, Prayer of Jabez, Breaking Through to a Blessed Life. It sold 10 million copies in the U.S. worldwide. It became, hands down, the most popular Christian book of its time, of its era. Okay? This is what it says on the back of the book. Are you ready? No, I'm not. Okay. Are you ready to ask God for the abundant blessings he longs to give you? Just praying Jabez's simple prayer will release God's favor, power, and protection in your life. You will break through to a life you were meant to live. 10 million copies. All I got to do is pray the prayer of Jabez, and it's mine. It's coming in the mail. I'm just going to slap my neighbor three times, and it's coming <laughs> in the mail. There's no mention in the book of Jabez's character. In fact, the first line of the verse says that Jabez was honored above his brothers, more than his brothers. This, in the Hebrew, is directly correlated to his character and his integrity. But there's no mention of integrity and character. All I have to do is pray the prayer, and it's mine. There's no mention of the fact that the Israelites are entering into the promised land, so he's praying a prayer that has to do with them entering into the promised land. There's no account about what this prayer actually really means. Instead, we have whittled down the prayer of Jabez to be a prayer about prosperity, but in fact, this is a prayer of redemption. This entire prayer is centered on Jabez's name which is why it tells us in the very beginning, his mother named him Jabez because she said, I bore him in much pain. Jabez's name literally means one who caused me great pain, one who caused me harm. Now, for the woman in the room, I'm not going to, this is not going to be a conversation for guys, but if you have had a baby, you've actually given birth. You don't even have to give birth to recognize that giving birth is traumatic. At the very least, okay? Now, I recognize I'm talking to an epidural generation, so, you know, we rely on epidurals, but I, had, I gave birth to my two sons without drugs. That's why we only have two, <laughs> okay? I have not forgotten what that felt like. I hope to never endure it again, okay? We're talking about women in this time period who had no drugs. There was no alleviating the pain of childbirth. She had multiple sons. This is what it tells us. It says he was honored more than his brothers. So we know that she had multiple kids. 
Typically in the Bible, what we find is that they will name the sons, will not name the daughters. So it is not a stretch to say she probably had daughters as well. But she only names one child, Jabez. Only one child means one who causes me great pain. Can you imagine how traumatic the childbirth must have been to name your child Jabez? Think about this for a second. That had to be a whole heck of a lot of pain. Names in the Old Testament mean a lot. It's not like today. We name our kids Blue Ivy, Northwest. I, like, <laughs> right, like, you know what I mean? Names indicated what your destiny would become, who you were and who you are becoming. Everything is in a name in the Old Testament. Apparently, Northwest, that child is destined to be a direction. And blue ivy, a nice color for wall paint, okay? And, you know, I, I keep up, so Beyonce and Jay-Z just had their twins. The son's name is Sir, okay, like. <laughs> just. <sighs> just got to let that fall to the side, because I just, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. But in the Old Testament, names meant everything. It meant everything. Jacob. Is there anybody here named Jacob? No one? I'm sorry. Do you know what Jacob means? It literally means supplanter. One who is willing to pull someone down in order to take their spot. I'm sorry. <laughs> right? But what that means is, if we read the story of Jacob, what did Jacob do? Precisely what his name indicated. This is why God has to rename him Israel meaning one who strives, one who pleases God. Everything is in a name. So when Jabez's mother gives birth to him and names him Jabez, she means one who will cause pain. Not just one who caused me pain, but one who will continue to cause pain. Now we have the foundation to understand what the prayer of Jabez is actually about. It's not about prosperity. Jabez's prayer is about redemption. He's about to enter into a new land and he wants to be redeemed. He does not want his name to follow him into new land. He does not want his legacy to reflect his name of causing pain. You guys with me? All right, so let's break down the four petitions. The prayer of Jabez is consisted of four petitions. The first petition is bless me. So when Jabez prays, Oh, Lord, that you would bless me. This is considered to be the first petition. Now, we have a tenacity to proclaim that when someone says, bless me, what they mean is cause me to prosper, help me to be happy. I want to be safe. But I'm at Genesis, so I, got, I know you guys know what the most common understanding of bless me means. It means force me to kneel, cause me to kneel, cause me to be on bended knee. This is what's ironic when people keep saying, God bless America. Do you really know what that means? Because what you're really saying is, force me, cause me, bring me low. Now, there are Hebrew words to bless that means prosper and happiness. But that's not the Hebrew word that's used here. The one that's used here means, God, cause me to be low. So when Jabez's first request is giving to God, oh God, that you would bless me, what he's saying is, oh God, as I enter into this new land, cause me 
to kneel before you, cause me to be low. This is where we get in trouble because we, t- we have a tendency to talk about this as prosperity. You guys follow me? I was going to give you all this Hebrew stuff here, but you know. I never follow rules. Let's go on to petition number two. <laughs> petition number two, enlarge my territory. Jabez says, oh God, that you would bless me and that you would enlarge my territory. They're entering, the people of Israel are entering into a new territory. They are given the promised land. Now, I don't ignore the atrocities of having to annihilate peoples from the land. We tend to read over that or we tend to justify that in like really nice QC ways. There's no way to justify that in QC ways. Okay? But as they enter into the land, God divided the portion of the land between all the people, all the 12 tribes. And so when Jabez is coming from nothing and he's saying, enlarge my territory, this is directly connected to the promise that was given to Jabez as a part of his tribe. This is not a proclaim, proclamation of God. You see that very nice property over there on Venice Beach? Yeah, that's mine. I'm just going to slap my neighbor three times in the face, and it's mine, right? That's not what it means. He knows he's entering into this land. He's already asked God to cause him to be humble, to cause him to kneel, and now he's saying, as I enter into this new land, enlarge my territory. You guys following me? Okay. Petition number three, place your hand upon me. Jabez recognizes that as he's entering into this new land, and as he's carrying this legacy of a name, that means one who causes great harm. He begins to pray this prayer, this petition. May your hand be upon me. This is a prayer of humility. And this is also deeply connected in the Hebrew to obedience. When God's hand is placed upon you, it means that you are living a life of obedience to him. Okay? If you study King David and King David's prayers in the book of Psalms of God placing his hand upon him, it has to do with obedience. That he will not turn to the left nor the right, but he will stay precisely where God wants him to be. See the humility of this prayer? It's not very prosperous, is it? It's not very, you know, American dreamy. The fourth and final petition, which in the translation I gave you says, and this is actually, it says in most Bibles, that you would keep me from hurt and harm. That you would keep me from hurt and harm. Now, I'm not a very good translator, but I do understand Hebrew. I do understand in the context of this prayer And, you know, I also use a lot of scholars that say that this traditional translation that has been given is inaccurate. Jabez's request is actually keep me from causing harm. So in my Bible, if if I brought it, I actually scratched this out and put what it actually means. We have a tenacity within Western culture to place our societal norms on Scripture. Disregarding the history and how this has traditionally been translated. I can't find anywhere in the history of the church or the history of the rabbinic tradition where this has been translated, keep me from hurt or harm. 
This is, this is a newer occurrence in our Bibles. Jabez's prayer is, keep me from causing harm. Keep me from causing hurt and pain. This is why this text is sandwiched between what his mother named him and what his final and fourth petition is. It begins by telling us more than it tells us about anyone else in the book of Chronicles. This, if you look in your Bibles, this is a list of all the people who entered into the promised land. And only in this particular passage does it give us a characterization of the person it's talking about. And it begins with, Jabez was honored more than his brothers. And his mother named him Jabez, meaning keep the one who caused me great pain. The end of his petition and the beginning of the verse tells us what his prayer is about. He does not want to enter into the promised land and carry the same legacy that he had while he was journeying with the people in the desert. Keep me from causing harm. The best part about this is what does it say immediately after? And God granted what he asked. This is not about prosperity. This is not about safety and security. This is about a man who does not want to live out the legacy of his name. What if we, as a church, began to pray this as a prayer? Keep us, keep me from causing harm. Just that simple. We do prayers with people at Lighthouse where people call out their prayers. And I always feel bad for them when I'm the person praying for them. Because I have taken on this, I've taken this prayer, seriously. I've taken this on. What would it mean for me as a pastor to begin to pray prayers that are not centered on what God can do for me, but rather who he's called me to be, one who does not cause harm? Classic prayer at Lighthouse is when people travel, they want you to pray for their traveling. Whenever anyone asks this, I feel bad for them because I'm like, don't have me pray for your traveling because I have stopped praying for safety. I don't pray that my kids will be safe. I'm not saying that you have to do this, but I've stopped praying for safety of my kids. It's not because I don't love my kids, but I've recognized that God loves them more than I love them. And so if he, if I believe that his hand is upon their lives, instead I pray, Lord, teach them not to cause harm. And so we get prayer requests and people say, you know, I'm traveling. A lot of our people travel. I'm traveling. Will you pray for me? And I go, oh, okay. So I get my stuff together and I start praying. Uh, and I'm very intentional about this prayer. And I, and I say in my prayer, I'm not praying that everything will go smoothly. I'm not praying that there will be no traffic or any incidences that cause them to be late. I actually don't even pray that they'll make it to their destination. I pray that as they are traveling, that they would be mindful and intentional about their words, that they would be mindful and intentional about their bodies, that as they encounter different people, new people, as they are traveling, that they would be aware of the way that we have a tendency to uh, respond to people who are different from us, that they would be aware of their posture, that they would be aware of their mannerisms. I pray that they would, as they journey, be beacons of hope and light through not causing harm. This is my prayer when people travel. It's not, Lord, keep them safe. I mean, I hope you turn out safe, but I'm more concerned about your inability 
to cause harm, right? You guys know how it is at traveling in the airport. Has anybody ever flown Spirit? <laughs> I did that once, got stuck somewhere for four days, never again. I wish I would have been praying, Lord, keep me from causing harm, but see, I didn't know that yet. Now I know it. I still don't fly spirit, but now I know, right? As I'm driving in the car, I'm a road rager as I'm driving in the car. Keep me from causing harm. What would it look like if we as a church began to pray this as the prayer of Jabez? Not prosperity, not safety, not security, but if we began to enter into the spaces, and as we enter into new spaces or the same old spaces, I enter in here on Sunday and I say, Lord, keep me from causing harm. Help me to be mindful of how much space I take up. Help me be mindful of the person that is sitting next to me. Right? You guys follow me here? This is what this means. Can you imagine if someone wrote a book on that? It may not sell 10 million copies, but it could change some lives. If we pray this over our kids, parents, I spend all of my time trying to invest in my kids the capacity to love and to be peacemakers wherever they go and the capacity to engage with people who are different from them and they love them in spite of it. Keep my kids from causing harm. I want my kids to be safe, but keep them from causing harm so that someone else's kid can feel safe, so that someone else's kid can feel secure, so that someone else's kid knows that they are loved. There's a prayer that St. Francis, and then I'm going to close. There's a prayer that St. Francis prays that is very popular. And I think, if I, as I read this prayer, he was on to something hundreds of years ago. It's a revolutionary switch in our prayer lives. I spend and have a tenacity to spend a lot of my time praying for Lighthouse, but I pray for things that I want. You know, Jesus, come on down. Like, can you make this easier for me? I just, I'm full disclosure. We have a tenacity to pray for ourselves and pray for the things that we want. We have a tenacity to teach, to treat God like a genie. If I just rub that bottle right, you're going to give me what I want. But St. Francis, hundreds of years ago, stumbled across, wrote out a prayer that I think represents what I'm trying to communicate to you about the prayer of Jabez. It's a prayer that its foundation proclaims, keep me from causing harm. And it goes like this, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon where there is doubt, faith, where there is despair, hope, where there is darkness, light, and where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant me, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console others. Grant that I may not so much seek to be understood as to understand others, to be loved as to love others. For it is, for it is in giving that we receive it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born again to eternal life. My prayer for this community, for you as individuals and for you as a community, that you would be a community that prays, keep us from causing harm, and that you would become known as people who love and who seek peace. 
This is how we attest to our creator. This is how people know who we follow. It's not through apologetics and me trying to prove to you that God is really real. It's when I embody it. When I'm intentional about my words, when I'm intentional about my actions, when I'm intentional about my life. I'm intentional about the way that I posture my body. I'm intentional about not clenching my fists when I'm uncomfortable. This intentionality, I think, could change lives. Last thing, and I'm going to be finished. This is like my third close. In, 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 in the Pentecostal church, the pastor says, okay, I'm coming to my close. He says that like four, four times. And then so it's just like, you know, maybe first close, second close, third close, and then the fourth close. So I'm probably on my fourth or fifth one. It's okay. This is, this is normal. <laughs> now I lost my train of thought. I don't even know where I was going with that. All right. I guess we, we I, think I'm, I think I'm finished. <laughs> I think I'm really finished this time. Okay. Can I pray? Uh, no one asked me about traveling. Okay. Uh, Father God, Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, Lord God, that your grace is sufficient for us. We thank you, Lord God, for the unmerited favor of having a God who is willing to journey with us through the ups and downs of life. Lord God, we do not pray that you would take away the suffering or the trials, but we ask that we would experience your presence in the midst of it. Your son says, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Help us, Lord God, show us, teach us, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to perceive the many ways that you never leave us, the many ways that you are with us. Thank you for your grace. So, Lord God, I pray for every individual in this room, and I pray for this community, that we would be beacons of hope and love and joy. Lord God, I pray for the church. We have a unrelenting history and propensity to cause harm. We co-sign on things we should not co-sign on. We have become more consumed with capitalism than we often are with the way in which you bring forth renewal. Lord God, my prayer is that you would rename us that you would shape us, that you would teach us to be people who do not cause harm. And Lord God, as we journey, we know that we will inevitably cause harm. We will stumble. But my prayer, Lord God, is two things. That even in the stumbling, you will teach us and that we will become ever more reliant on your grace because it is through your grace that we have an ability to stand back up and say, I messed up, but Lord, keep me from causing harm today. May this be our prayer. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.